And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. Good to be here, Dan. And Dr. John Vance, pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern. Good to be here. Well, gentlemen, it's great to have you in the studio here today on a Saturday. And uh, today we have a very, very interesting discussion on our agenda. It's concerning how do you read the Bible. And uh, in the background that uh, really caused us to think about this is um, a current events thing going on with uh, a gentleman by the name of Harold Camping. And uh, increasingly on the airwaves over his stations and also on the Internet, um, we're seeing a number of postings. Uh, He's claiming that he is 100% sure that Christ will return on May 21st, 2011. And uh, he's also very sure that uh, if you're in a church, you are bound for hell, that there's no way you can go to heaven if you're remaining in a church. And you look at that and you say, well, that guy must be off the deep end. Well, uh, that's probably true, but uh, we need to look at it today. And really, it kind of begs the question, where on earth does he get this stuff from? But more importantly, when we open the Word of God, how are we to read it? Uh, Obviously, he's got some kind of a hermeneutical approach to the Bible where he comes up with uh, messages and uh, conclusions that's totally different than any pastor out there today in any church. So with that as an introduction, um, suppose we sit down with our Bible gentlemen and we open it. Um, What are the kinds of, uh, let me just say this, what are the kinds of passages or, can I say, literature types that we find in the Bible as we open it and start reading it? One of the things uh, that uh, a person quickly learns uh, when they study original languages, and I think most uh, ministers, Protestant ministers anyway, in our in our tradition, uh, went to seminary and they tried to learn some Greek and Hebrew, but may not remember the Greek and Hebrew as such. Many do not, but on the other hand, they do get an understanding of the way Scripture works. And it's interesting hmm. that the Greek of the New Testament is called Koine Greek, which is the everyday Greek of the marketplace. So God's revelation comes to us in a language that anyone can Mm -hmm. understand, not even in highfalutin literary language. It comes in to us in the language of the marketplace. Mm. And, of course, the Hebrew equally was the common and ordinary way that Jewish people communed to each other, either in Hebrew or Aramaic very closely related. So God has chosen to reveal himself to us in the scriptures in ordinary language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're both ordinary languages, but they're two very different kind of languages. If you look at the Greek language, you find it very much more of a, a technical language. You find it a language that is very good and lends itself to propositional truth and teaching. And it's very didactic in that sense. And the Hebrew language, in contrast, is very picturesque. It's a it's a mm-hmm. picture language. And so what it creates is images and pictures, not nearly so good in terms of uh, propositional teaching. But you get the two of them together, it works beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Greek is more accurate uh, because it's an inflected language, so we mm-hmm. know 
exactly what's being said without any real difficulty, uh, you would have to have, uh, even if you don't have Greek culture, you can understand it. But when it comes to the Hebrew Bible, so to speak, the original in Hebrew, it you, could, you can really see and sense where it, it helps to understand mm-hmm. the culture in which the Bible was given. So it's nice, I think, for our pastors and Bible teachers to have a background in the Greek and Hebrew so that they can um, maybe avoid some pitfalls. Exactly right. I mm-hmm. think that's a, what you, you study that. And so even if you're using the English language, you have a, mm-hmm. a good understanding of, of how things work. Uh, and especially, you know, for example, again, in the Hebrew, we have the Psalms. It's a, in a, well, a whole section, not only the Psalms, but Proverbs and, and even in other little areas, we have Hebrew poetry. Mm-hmm. Hebrew poetry is very different from our English poetry where we look for rhyming and, mm-hmm. and meter, and they look for parallelisms or contrasts. And, and also, um, I don't want to miss the initial point that John mentioned, and that was, I think what you're getting at was that uh, the Bible is written to be understood. And, and even if we're not scholars in the Greek and Hebrew, the way it's written is for communicating God's truth to the Christian. Absolutely. I, I, that's an important point. God, God means to communicate to us. Mm. He communicates to us through the history of Israel and finally through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this was written down and recorded. Mm. And the mm. Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable to yeah. us. Notice yeah. it is yeah. profitable for a whole range of yeah. of edifying activities in our life for yeah. reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness' sake. Yeah. yeah. And, that's, and that's why when William Tyndall translated the Bible into English, one of his comments was that he wanted every milkmaid and every plowboy to be able <laughs> to know the Scriptures. And actually, I think in one case he he mentioned that uh, to know it better than some of the priests and bishops mm-hmm. uh, that were in the church at that time. So uh, here's this fellow out there um, who owns a bunch of radio stations, and uh, he has a very unique approach to the Bible. Um, he will read, I guess, about every portion of Scripture through certain lenses, as it were. He will call it deeper spiritual meanings. What on earth is he talking about? Well, he's getting... Uh uh, by using language like that, deeper and spiritual, that usually uh, signifies, even if it's talking about human experiences or interpretation mm-hmm. of the Scripture or a certain uh, possession of holiness of life, no matter how you set yourself apart from others, when I hear the phrase deeper and spiritual, uh, I almost put up my guard immediately because I know that the person is in some way setting themselves off as some type of expert or Mm -hmm. a source that you must go to, and it empowers that person. And I wonder uh, if underneath it's not Mm -hmm. an attempt to exercise power over other people. Well, I have got an example here. I know we have a break coming up, but uh, here's just one example of his methodology from uh, that he uses in John 21. Um, we learned uh, Jesus' disciples were about 200 cubits out from the Sea of Galilee, engaged in their trade as fishermen, and they catch 153 fish. Now, according to Camping, the Bible is teaching that the 200 cubits represents about 2,000 years between the first and second comings of Christ. And uh, since Jesus was born, according to Camping, on October the 4th, 
7 BC. The interpreter is to add 2,000 years minus 1 for the year 0 and presto changeo. Out comes 1994. And then regarding the 153 fish, uh, 153 uh, equals 3 times 3 times 17. The number 3 signifies the purpose of God, whereas the number 17 signifies heaven. Thus we learn the purpose of God is to bring all believers that are caught by the gospel into heaven. Uh, that seems like a sleight of hand, the way he's treating God's word there. No question in my mind, it's a type of sleight of, of hand. Uh, it um, uh, is arbitrary, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it does have the the appearance of a kind of cleverness, but I don't take cleverness to be Mm-mm. a biblical gift uh, in that sense. And furthermore, um, it is an abuse of that passage of Scripture. Take Take the 153 fish. Uh, there is no indication that that number has any real significance other than no. it conveys to us how many fish were pulled. It was from 153 the, fish. 153 <laughs> large fish. And uh, to, make it, to make it say more than that or to use it in some kind of numerological approach to the Scripture is really an abuse of the Scriptures and an abuse of its hearers. Good point. Yeah, I was looking at that, and I, I knew there was 153 fish. Where does he get the 200 cubits? <laughs> it almost seems to me that so much of this is, is arbitrarily thrown in. You know, and also the dates. When was Jesus born? We know the exact date? No, we don't. Please. No. Now, there is, a, there is a tradition in the Middle Ages that has a fixed date, but it's rooted in the same kind of imagination, if you will. Hmm. Yeah. Um, all we know about Jesus' birth, as to the year even, is that it was between 4 and 7 B.C. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We yeah. cannot nail it down any, uh, or pinpoint it any more exact than and, that. Than mm-hmm. that. You know, and I've heard even before, between 4 and 6 B.C., and, mm-hmm. and you know, you've got such variation that, that it is kind of difficult to pin any dates down. Mm. And on top of that, you have the numbers and, and numerology and people trying to find a significance for numbers and everything. I remember listening to a preacher once talk about the five stones that hmm. David picked up. Yeah. when he wanted, And he had a reason, and there was a purpose for every one of those stones. And yeah. and the way I read it is David picked there up five, five stones because he thought he might miss. That's all his clip would hold. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I see we're out of time uh, right now. We have to take a short break. You're listening to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Please stay with us for this interesting discussion. We'll be right back.
We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. John Vance. Today we're talking about the subject of how to read the Bible. And uh, in the news, on the Internet, um, we've seen um, basically it's a campingism developing. It's kind of like a cult where people are following this one man, uh, predicting the end of the world. They have an exact date. Uh, On their website, they are 100% sure that they know when Jesus will return, contrary to what the scriptures would tell us that we really cannot know. And so that uh, prompted us to look at, well, how do you read the Bible? And we certainly want to avoid pitfalls like this. How do we be faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ, um, to the triune God of the scriptures, as we read his word as faithful Bible-believing Christians? I wanted to follow up, uh, Dan, on uh, what we uh, were talking about before the break, and that is not to in any way uh, detract from the written word. What I mean by that is this. The book of Revelation does say not to add to or take away, Hmm. and that probably is only applying to the book of Revelation, but it's a good rule for the entire Bible. The Bible is sufficient in itself, and we are not to add to it or to take away from it. John Calvin put it another way, that the interpreter or the expositor is not to speculate above that which is written. Now, what I have in mind here is the Bible does not reveal Jesus' birth date, though Camping uses that, to make an important prophecy. It's Mm -hmm. basic to him. But it doesn't tell us what he looked like or how tall he is. Mm -hmm. It says nothing about those silent years between his appearance in the temple and then uh, when he goes back to the temple to be bar mitzvahed, so to speak, Mm -hmm. or to teaching in the temple. Mm. Now, it's important to know that the heretics, though, filled in those gaps. It's called Gnostic literature. 
They have a whole range mm-hmm. of activities, of secret knowledge oh, yes. that Jesus did during those silent years. If the Bible doesn't mention it or make something of it, neither should we if we are faithful Bible students. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're looking at that, too, when you you see a doctrine like this, and you brought up the Gnostics, and, and they had this special knowledge, and basically they kind of stood off and said, you know, we've got, we've got knowledge that you can't get. You know, unless you're part of us. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that's one of the things, when you look at the doctrines of, of Harold Camping, it's like in a hundred years, with a million scholars, they would never get what he has. No. In yeah. other words, he's got this special knowledge, and if you were just to read the Bible, you would never find it. Mm-hmm. You would never see that. And and so it's what is what is he doing? He's he's trying to tell us that the Bible is a mystery book that only he can understand, yeah, and therefore we're dependent on Harold Camping. Because I'm looking at some of his teachings there, and it's like, where on earth would you get that? Yeah, <laughs> by reading the Bible, yeah. you wouldn't get that. The other thing is, look where the emphasis is. Where's the emphasis? What is it? May twenty first, two thousand eleven. Yeah. There's the emphasis. There's the emphasis. There's the emphasis. Right. Where's the gospel? Where's the gospel? And also, where does his there, where it? does his message lead? It yeah. really leads to him. It's a, yes, exactly. And what I'm seeing, that's true, and that that bears what I'm seeing uh, on the internet. People are expending money. Family Radio itself is expending money buying billboard space in Ghana and these other places of the world, um, pushing this date, almost like trying to prove the date. Did you show me a picture of a park bench with yeah, that date on it? The that day was yeah. money spent by a personal in, person, in, in, I mean, you know, by an individual. In, in here, here's the point. You know, and they'll say, well, yeah, we, we want to spread the gospel. But look, the gospel is good whether that date is the date oh, yes. or that date comes a thousand years from now. Yeah. And so the gospel is, has to be foremost. Yeah. I heard someone say, you know, you can go to heaven uh, – uh, without money, without power, without even a shirt on your back, but you can't go to heaven without Christ. That's mm. right. And let me say this: yeah. you can you can go to heaven uh, without many things. You can go to heaven without ever having heard of Harold Camping, but you cannot go to heaven without receiving the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's that. right. That's right. So uh, today we um, got into this because here is a gentleman out there where. He apparently feels that every verse of the Bible has some hidden meaning. Uh, there's a historical parable, a secret redemptive meaning, and uh, it really takes him to figure out what that meaning is, and then his followers parrot that meaning. And so it's like this wholesale uh, allegorization of, of the text. Now, have we seen uh, allegory used before, and is there any legitimate uses of allegory in the Bible? Of course, we have had allegory uh, before. We've had it even before the early church. There were uh, individuals in the Jewish tradition that allegorized uh, mm-hmm. the scriptures. Philo was one of them. Uh, in the Christian tradition, one of the big allegorists was uh, a man by the name of Origen. But, of course, uh, the allegory does have a place, and we even see an allegory in, in Galatians, uh, Galatians chapter 4, starting at verse 21. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but... Paul actually even uses the word allegory there, and he makes an allegory using Hagar as Mount Sinai and Isaac as uh, the free son, and Hagar and Ishmael as the uh, son of bondage. 
So there are allegories or types that were used in the Old Testament. You look at the book of Hebrews. Hebrews looks at the Old Testament and looks at the sacrificial system and sees that as types. Mm. But the scripture is pretty plain and tells us where these things occur. Yeah, that's the key, isn't it? Yes. If, if God uses a type, he, he teaches us in his word. He says, you know, I'm using a type here. Or this is, this is to represent something so that we can understand a bit. You know, what always struck me funny, too, is that uh, when Christ does use his parables, I believe there's a portion there where it says sometimes he would use parables to hide the truth. Yes, that's I right. I thought, oh, that's interesting. It's used for both reasons. The word parable comes from a Greek word, parabole, which means to cast alongside of. It's an extended metaphor. Hmm. You know, the Bible uses the ordinary speech of ordinary people. It uses comparisons. It sometimes will even use exaggeration. You call that uh, hyperbole Hmm. to make a point. That's interesting. And I saw that word yeah. before, and I, I pronounced mm-hmm. it wrong, and you corrected me. What did I say? Hyperbole? <laughs> but it, <laughs> so thanks it, but for that it, correction. Uh, it has yeah. similes. It has understatement. That's called yes, litotes. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it goes on and on the way we ordinarily speak, mm-hmm. which leads me to say this. We are to interpret the Bible exactly the way the original author meant for it to be interpreted because mm-hmm. he was under divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he uses ordinary speech and ordinary language, and therefore when we come to the scriptures, the surest guide between the communication of two people is to take you at your word, Mm. quit trying to add to it or take away from it or make it mean something else. Notice how often we get in trouble in our ordinary language when we say, yeah, you said that, but you meant this. Mm -hmm. That's right. It's confusing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The problem with uh, so many of these in terms of allegory and everything is instead of reading the scriptures, they read between the lines of scripture. And that becomes very subjective and and it usually winds up being something that they want to see. I, I remember when I was in Bible school, I had a friend who had this little ditty, What Wonderful Things in the Bible We See, All of Them Put There by You and By Me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's I, called, I, uh, you know, interesting, I don't mean to get too technical here, that's called eisegesis. Eisegesis, that's oh, right. Yeah. Ex- yeah. Exegesis. Let's, let's make a distinction between those yeah. two words. Exegesis means that God has revealed something. Exegesis means that all you're doing is is uh, is pulling from the scriptures what has been put there. Okay. Think of a well of knowledge. Yeah. You lower the bucket and you lift it up. What the eisegete does is they put themselves into the scriptures and pull themselves out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Harold Camping's sin, and I'm going to use the word sin, is that he is an eisegete. He has put himself and his mind in the scriptures, and guess what he finds when he looks there? Mm -hmm. He finds himself, and he pulls it out. He doesn't know that he's pulling himself out, or his own mind, or his own thought, Mm -hmm. but in fact, it's quite clear that he is not expounding the scripture the way the scripture Mm -hmm. is to be expounded. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Um, I see, unfortunately, we're getting already to the end of this broadcast today. Today we're talking about how to read the Bible. And uh, we're going to do something unusual at the end of this broadcast we don't usually do, and that is simply to ask you to send us your questions uh, via email that uh, these pastors can work on, and possibly next edition of A Plain Answer, we can answer your specific questions related to how to read the Bible Uh, If you have questions concerning Harold Camping 
and um, things that have been troubling you. You maybe a friend of yours constantly harasses you, almost saying that uh, you know the end is coming. It's coming on this particular date. We're a hundred percent sure, but you don't even know how to answer the guy. What do you do? Uh, send your question along to us. Just send it to ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. That's ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. we got about one minute for a wrap-up thought from each of you pastors. Yeah, the first thing I just want to say is, is the important thing is to just read the Bible as it's written, to literally understand it. That's, mm. the, that's the biggest and most important thing. And the key there is not to find the hidden meanings, but to live according to what the Bible says. That's the the biggest problem I have in my life, is living what it literally says without having to go to some spiritual meaning somewhere along the line. Mm -hmm. There's, uh, in the Bible, it's a library, remember? Mm -hmm. It's not just one book. It's a library of books. God is revealed and moved in the hearts and minds of about 40 writers. Moses is credited with the first five books of the Bible. And Isaiah, the prophet, wrote his, but it's a library. It, mm. Some places you just take it literally. Some places it may be allegorical, but it'll almost always tell you. Some yeah. places it's typological, where you know that Israel is a type. Some places you are to read it, to look to the future, and to see that we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You read it in many ways, but in all cases, you take it the way the original author meant it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so while it has all of this, it comes down to what Mark says. It's it's the plain, simple meaning of the Bible, and that's the way you read it. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, your input and discussion today here on A Plain Answer. Today we've been talking about how to read the Bible. A Plain Answer is posted to our website on RedeemerBroadcasting.org and linked to iTunes. Check it out for a free download. For Redeemer Broadcasting, I'm Dan Elmendorf. May our Lord richly bless you today with His grace and His peace as you serve Him. Redemption to a lost and dying.